0: podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Guys, uh, to all my new listeners, a lot of new subscribers, I appreciate all the support. I love the fact that you guys are eating up these post-game shows, um, whether or not it's you know eating away at my stomach, it's eating away at po- uh, Pete Smith's stomach. Um, it, it's tough. The last two weeks have been tough. I mean, wh- when games are there for the taking and it doesn't work out, you get the instant reaction and you know you get it from me, you get it from Pete. And even guys, look, I, I for who for those who haven't listened, Pete's even there now. It, it, there's some positive, and it's oh man, it was it was there. This these were the ones. But we're gonna go over this game obviously a little bit more from the X's and O's. Wise, uh, obviously on Monday we go through the PFF grades. So we're gonna stick with this one first off. Joining here like last week, uh, we may mix this up here because I'm gonna take advantage, of Jake, as long as I can get him. But Jake is getting very busy. Jake Burns, look, obviously a a t- another tough one yesterday but here's the thing week in week out jake uh we're watching 60 minutes of football not just all right well how's this going to end is somebody going to score a garbage t- touchdown late for cleveland yada 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 but guys jake burns from the obr browns film breakdown doing a fantastic job with everybody's t- everything he's touching right now but go ahead jake
1: yeah it's uh you know it's it's been it's been competitive jeff like you said man it's it's um it's frustrating. It's good, but it's frustrating. It's I don't I don't really know how to to go through the roller coaster of emotions in the living room yesterday, man. It was it was uh, it's a team that's competing, like I think we all thought was gonna be competing. It's a team that's good enough to win football games. They just I, I tweeted I, I don't think they know how to yet. And that's the and thing. People, we
0: went through this for a long time. We went through this the roster's gotta get to that point. And yeah. I, I, I think the roster's there now. None of these, you know, any of these stars on this team, they've never been experienced of winning NFL football games. So it's something they're struggling with as a whole right now.
1: Yeah, and it's it's top to bottom. My my overarching uh, point with that whole thing is, like, I'm not saying guys like Jarvis Landry don't know how to win football games or ki- kids who come from talented programs like Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb, you know, Duke Johnson's won games in, in, in both levels of football. Like, the, they've won games. They know how to win games. But there's a stigma to the whole that is Cleveland, that is is it's there, and you can deny it all you want to. But when you when you watch and you're expecting Murphy's Law to kick in, we're not the only ones that feel that. That is that is absolutely the franchise. So what I'm saying they don't know how to win. I'm saying we're employing a kicker with a noted OCD problem, who's you know I would say Jeff that, that outside of just general accuracy as a kicker. Being able to handle clutch situations and, and and have ice in your veins is the single most important trait for a kicker. You have you can be the most accurate kicker in the history of college football. Like I think Zane was close to being. It doesn't matter if when you go out to kick, you know games, you know in games that matter and moments that matter, and you're you're too tensed up to make it work. So, um, it, it it is it is it is a stigma as a franchise. But somehow they have to overcome if some individual has that answer we want them here if it, it's not an easily answered proposition because if it were the, the this sort of thing wouldn't exist they just have to, to win somehow win some games feel what it's like to win feel what it's like to somehow do this thing called you know winning two games in a row and it just it fades but you, you I don't have a perfect answer for it, but I do know that there is a cloud, like a dark cloud, just hanging over the top of the franchise that is is not easily lifted. It's going to take some sort of heroic efforts to, to get that cloud to lift and to get everybody understanding that us as a whole, we're good enough to win games, we should be winning games, we deserve to win games, let's make it happen.
0: Yeah, and I think that was even the the roughest part of you know Zayn mixing the missing the extra point after you know the incredible play from Tyra to It didn't change anything that he missed missed the extra point. You were only up one. Um, you know Drew Brees still was gonna do his thing. You were still gonna then be down two. Um, you know whether or not Zane ended up it, it, is injured, was injured. You know, maybe they were trying to make the blow a little bit softer for the kid. None of that matters, but this is the life of a kicker. And Jake, you played college ball. I played college ball. It, it, it's a tough job because as teammates, you're like, well, you made the field goal. Congratulations. That's what we expect you to do. So it, it's the toughest. It's such a tough job to have within any team, within any unit. And look, yesterday it didn't go his way, but it also happened in Minnesota. And uh, Boswell from the Patriot, I mean from the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, got extended for the tune of twenty million dollars, and he's choking on kicks. It's just you never expect it, you never want it, but every now and then the kicking game just doesn't go right. But we're not going to give any more breath to that. Uh, everybody who's tweeting Zane Gonzalez and his sister who got her to deactivate his account, her account, you're a bunch of freaking scumbags just let it be at the end of the day end of the day guys it is just a game you cannot go that deep with it it's just ridiculous to go that route but we're gonna get in here uh, I'm gonna give a couple of PFF scores uh, I've got some guys highlighted that I want to get some takes from Jake Jake offensively um obviously you know we went from Jarvis land uh, I mean uh Josh Gordon is not gonna play he's got a hamstring injury to, Jarvis, uh, to Josh Gordon, is no longer part of this Cleveland Browns organization. Uh, obviously, he got moved on from today. We're not going to go any more into that. But Antonio Callaway, thrown right into the fire. Highest scoring offensive player for the Cleveland Browns yesterday. Uh, the young guy, uh, look, the play he made on the catch, I'll let you get to the route and the development there, but to watch him close on that ball... Gave me, like, a, a quality center fielder, whether it's a Ken Griffey Jr. or just of oh, my God, I can get this. And he did the, an extra jet just kicked in in an incredible catch, and even more incredible that he still had the wherewithal after being away from the game for almost two years to make sure he got two feet in because the last time he made a catch of that magnitude, he only needed one. Impressive, impressive job by the guy. And, yes, guys, I'm going to run with it. We're now gonna, you know, all these rappers now. It's kid something, it's kid this, it's kid that. Kid Callaway. go ahead, Jake.
1: Yeah, good, good points by you, Jeff. I, I, I was going to point that out, but you, you did a nice job. <clears throat> excuse me, um, of noting not only the ability to track that ball. That ball was thrown to the rafters, man. Like that thing was hanging, and that's tough to track. You're running full speed. Your head's moving as you run. You're no, trying to track the ball the falling. When you, when you play yeah. outside,
0: you judge clouds and things like that. When you play in a dome, it's a lot different.
1: Yeah, no, it absolutely is. And his ability to come down with that, um, being able to close, like you saw it in the air. And I think I've talked to you and and, and Stephen about this at Browns, uh, you know, daily mock draft. That I'm I wasn't so sure when he let it go that he was throwing it to Callaway. It looked like if you watched the scheme, it was it was a vertical concept, and they sent. There was a three by one concept, and they sent. A, I believe I need to go back and watch it, but I know they had somebody stop at a pivot at, at about six yards, and then and then Landry took off up the hash. Yep. You know, Callaway was on a skinny post on the on the outside, and he started outside. Uh, I think he, he think he started outside the numbers, and I was like, watching it, I'm like, man, it really looks like his head is looking down the middle of the field, right up the hash at, at Landry. But uh, you know, who knows? I'm, I'm Tyrod's the only guy who will ever know that, but that. Nonetheless, the ball was put out there perfectly. It was a, it was a really brazen decision on fourth and five. Uh, but, but Callaway, uh, the, the big point I wanted to make that you did a nice job of pointing out, Jeff, to, the wherewithal to run that down at full speed as he's running um, at, at, at next-gen stats, noted him as running 21.48 as his peak miles per hour on that ball, third fastest in the league this year on a single route to, to Tyreek Hill, the speed demon of all speed demons in Kansas City. Um the wherewithal to get the two feet inbounds is really impressive. And to make that catch and secure it, he, he had a sort of coming out party yesterday. It wasn't just that catch. There was um, a nice little, they did a nice little rub pick play where he, he, he caught it and uh, did a nice job of weaving across the field to gain about 16, 17 yards, had a nice reverse they gave to him uh, that he was really patient running it. He did a nice job of drawing a DPI on, uh Marshawn Lattimore on what I call a V route, where you're starting at a tight alignment, driving it at a 45, put your left foot in the ground, get back inside. Once those, when you know, once the corner turns his hips, and and, and driving another 45, it's, it's almost like a pseudo slant, but you're working out the stem, the corner's hips, and uh, you know, just a really, you know, really good all-around game. I think he had one drop on a ball that hit his hands on a slant, working right to left, that was knocked out of his hands. Um, but otherwise, man, just a really good football game from him. The the, the type of football game that would have been enough to win as a number one wide receiver. So um, I, I don't know. I couldn't. I couldn't have expected much more out of him. I thought he played really well for only playing fifteen snaps last week. Well, if you take out the uh, the part where they ran the
0: second reverse and got a little greedy,
1: yeah. That or if so you weird. want to
0: take that out, or you want to put in the defensive pass interference that he drew, Antonio Callaway in his first time, you know, look, he took reps week one. First time being featured, put up a hundred total yards. So, I mean, this is a guy now, well, I mean, look, you're going to move on from, obviously, you've moved on from Josh Gordon, so you need somebody else to step up at the position, and Antonio Calloway looks like he's going to be one of those guys. Guys, you're listening to Locked On Browns. Uh, Jake Burns here, obviously, Browns, film breakdown, obviously good, a big part of the OBR. Guys, uh, me and the guys over there, we're really tight. I love that they can always make some time for me. Uh, MyBookie.com, guys, since I've taken over, people ask for betting advice, I'll give you my opinion, but that isn't necessarily going to work out for you. What I can give you is a site you should use for all your betting needs. You should use mybookie.com. I would only recommend someone who has been good to me. The reason I will do this is mybookie.com has been in business for years. They have a great review, they have great reviews online. Their mobile site is simple and easy to use. That's why I'm urging you to make your bets with MyBookie.com. You win, they pay. They have in-game, live betting, over-under on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player player perks in the business. New, obviously, as MyBookie.com has been a sponsor before. They are inundated and slammed with new bettors and want to give everyone the best service possible. So here's another advantage that MyBookie.com is going to give you. If you sign up with them after 7 p.m. Eastern Time, they will give you an additional twenty-five dollars free play on deposits over one hundred dollars. But here's also the other point, guys. If you bet one, if you put in one hundred dollars, now if you do it after seven p.m. Eastern, they match your initial one hundred. But now they're going to give you twenty-five on top of that. So you're going to throw one hundred in the kitty, and you're going to have two twenty-five to play with. So most of your beginning wagers will be on their dime, not your own. So join now mybookie like I said will match your deposit dollar for dollar 25 extra if you do it after 7 p.m. eastern new promo code with this new feature of after 7 p.m. eastern locked on 25 visit mybookie.com m y b o o k i e.com you play you win you get paid now Jake we're going to move on here um Everybody wanted to yell at me last week because it was a monsoon game, this, that, and the other thing. I'm sure they're going to want to yell at me this week because Josh Gordon's not there. And, guys, look, Josh Gordon's not going to be here anymore. As much as I love Josh Gordon and the thought of him, there just comes a time where enough is enough, and obviously this franchise went that route. But, Jake, the quarterback play, and, look, obviously it was a little bit difficult with the late scratch and then the moving on. But, uh, you know, did find a ways, some ways to get Callaway involved. There are some other guys here. But here it is again. And now we're going to go into a short week. We're going to see Tyrod this week. There's a quarterback who was drafted one overall. And this is a team built with young guys who can be foundational players. They're not going to compete for the playoffs this year. Is Tyrod going to hold this off as much, as long as the organization tried to originally sell us that he's going to be able to?
1: Yeah, it's it's going to get interesting, and uh, it, it's it's a mixture of things for me, Jeff. I don't think it's as easy as some people want to just yell at Tyrod for X, Y, and Z reasons, and they want to have some confirmation bias based on one clip I throw up on Twitter. He he's doing fine. I, I want to make sure I, I say that he's he's doing he's doing okay for what they're asking him to do in the handcuffs. I feel like they're putting on him. I think he's playing fine. Now, some of that is, I mean, Todd Haley came from playing with Ben Roethlisberger for the past five years and Antonio Brown, so I think he's a little bit, (coughs) excuse me, I think he's a little bit shocked on, you know, how to effectively use Tyrod Taylor in this offense. It is, it is very simple, it is very conservative, um, and, and the last two games have called for conservative if you ask me, Jeff, I mean. The game one week plan would have been to be just take care of the ball. This is a monsoon. Do what we can to eliminate mistakes and uh, don't turn the ball over like Pittsburgh was doing and and win a game sloppy 21-17 type of stuff. Week two, I think the plan was once again, this New Orleans offense is really high powered. Let's ground the ball as much as we can. Let's burn clock as much as we can and make simple throws, keep the clock running. And that makes sense to me. I mean, they don't have Josh Gordon. They don't have the the weaponry that obviously, um, and and really cohesion that somebody like New Orleans has had with the same head coach and the same offensive coordinator for, for a decade. Um, they they I think that they're the, those two weeks of game plans make sense. That's what I'm saying. It's not that I, you know you, you you probably coach Jeff. You've been around football long enough to know that my game plan might be different from what you would sketch a game plan. I just think that that's the game plan they went with, and I think it makes some sense. Like it, it was a game they should have won. Based on how they played it, and and that's kind of that's just the way it is. It's a game that I, I like. I said they 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 played it that way, and it made sense to me. Now week three, it's going to be interesting. How do they feel about their talent compared to what is a really good secondary in New York? I think that they should. They, there should be no kid gloves being used anymore. It should be we need to do everything within our power that we have installed in this playbook with our guys. We need to run everything we can. Uh, kind of thing. So I don't expect them to be as uber conservative as they have been. I would like to see them take a bit more downfield shots, design downfield shots. So,
0: and this is something that Tyrod is good at. He's not good at picking you apart on third and seven. He, I mean, and we saw Sunday. He can throw a decent deep ball.
1: Yeah, and he's noted as doing it. I mean, he, he yes. will throw it. So it's a matter of giving him opportunities to do it. They they have run so much, 22, 12, and thirteen personnel in the first. Like I didn't know Darren Fells was going to play this much. He's playing a ton, and like, they're throwing t- in the
0: ball. My God,
1: yeah, <laughs> for a tight end too. He's playing a ton, man. So like, I, they're they're very conservative. I think that they think their defense is what they're going to hang their hat on, and they're going to win games. Via the deep, they had that record of 28. What were they? Negative 28 in the turnover difference last year. So they said, hey, we got this quarterback who's going to take care of the football. We think our defense is good enough to win us football games if we can score 17 to 20 points. And, um, you know, that's how we're going to play. I don't expect that to change. Now, is there anybody in their right mind sitting watching games thinking, um, based on what they've seen from the guys in different situations is that, that Tyra Taylor is a better all around athlete. Um, sorry, I should take that back. He's a better athlete, but a better thrower of the football, a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield. No. Um, but it's just a matter of what they, what they want to do. They, I think they think if they throw the rookie in there, they're more inclined to turn the football over. They're more inclined to have those issues that burnt them last year. So let's play a conservative brand of football uh, by nature and let's, take care of it, let's not turn it over, and let's win football games that are going to be probably close, but they're games that we can manipulate the outcome. That's just where I'm at with what they're thinking in the coach's office because there's no other reason of justification for what they're doing in terms of how they're approaching predictability, how they're approaching uh, two tight end sets with eight men in the box and still running the play as it's called in. They're not giving any RPOs. They're not giving a variation. of Their screen game is miserable. Yeah, I, I, just, it, yeah, I, just, I just don't know... That's how it is. You know, when I used to coach high school football, we weren't very good, so we tried to just shorten games. We tried to shorten games and we tried to do really conservative things on offense so that we weren't giving points. They beat us, they beat us via their offense, beating the defense. But every time we had the football, it was ending in a kick. We were either punting it away or kicking it through the upright. So they they don't seem to be of the belief that they can just open things up and beat teams. So they're playing a sort of conservative approach. I'm not sure that that changes. And I I, I just, I I feel like that's the vision of where they're at right now. And I think it might go all the way up to John Dorsey. I think John Dorsey's playing both sides of the fence. He's appeasing Hugh, um, allowing him to play who he wants to play at quarterback, allowing him to um, operate in his fashion. But he knows that if Hugh goes 0-3, 0-4, 0-5, that it could be to the point where he gets to hire his own coach. So um, I, I don't know. I just wouldn't expect, like, Some people ask me, you know, are they going to open things up? Are they going to, are they going to throw it 30 times and take 10 shots? I don't, I don't know. I I just don't, I don't feel that's what they're going to do. It is going to be every possession is, is going to feel like, like hard labor to get into the end zone. (laughs) And that's, that's just where I think that they're going to be for the foreseeable future, especially now losing their big play home run guy. Um, You know, you hope Antonio Callaway can keep morphing into that, but, that's kind of just where I think they're at. They're going to try to win games in that twenty to fourteen range, twenty to thirteen, and, and rely on their defense. Which, right now, Jeff, to be honest, they could very easily be two and zero, and that looks yes. like a really smart way to pr- approach things. So, it, no, it,
0: it is true from that standpoint. But just for me, and, and like I've said, I, I don't think there's any playoff aspirations here. So maybe it's time to you know kind of let him in. And, and look, he's a, a lot more established at twenty three years old. Than Deshaun Kaiser was at 21, and I think the other thing is, is I think he, I think Baker Mayfield himself, it, it may not be the head coach. Baker Mayfield can say, "All right, give me the iPad." Ah oh, man, that's where the dude got me. Whereas Deshaun Kaiser, he went to the bench and you know, why'd you throw that ball? Well, I, I don't think it was the sitting down and the correcting and that type of stuff. But you know, hey, plenty of talk here still on that.
1: One of the but I think I of, will yeah, say I will say this, Jet, real quick. I think that's where the paradox is happening. I think if if Hugh Jackson felt really good about his his future here, that would be happen. Like that would be a very this, serious conversation. You're actually conversation.
0: making a great point here right now. I,
1: it, it, it would be very serious because he wouldn't mind Baker taking shots on the chin and, and sitting down with him and doing. Like I think I think he knew last year Deshaun Kaiser wasn't going to be the answer, but he at least was going to give this kid a shot because he had nobody else. Now this year he has somebody that they can play a certain fashion with in Tyrod. Do they want to take this risk with Baker who's going to he's just he's going to make more mistakes because likely. It's very likely he's going to make more mistakes because he's a bit more aggre- he is not a bit he is more aggressive as a quarterback. So they got to say Hugh's saying I have to win to keep my job. How can I do that? What is the easiest path to that? I get where you're coming from, and I get where so many other people are coming from. It's like, hey, man, let's take the lumps with this kid in his first year. Let's have him learn on the job. Like, I get that. That's cool. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not oblivious to that point. Um, but at the same time, they have a head coach who knows I have to win games to get there. I have to get there via this style. Instead of Hugh, if Hugh was told, hey, man, you got three years, lock in guaranteed, he would say, okay. Baker's got more talent. That's my first-round pick. That's my guy. Let's learn with him. Let's roll. I think that would be different. That's where I think the situation gets really, really strange. Because John Dorsey is here for the long haul and Hugh is walking a tightrope. So, it's it's very strange.
0: Okay, it does make a ton of sense. And I'll give you that one. That is actually a solid point. But just last one, I want to hit on uh, offensively here real quick. Um, look, there's not a lot of daylight. There's not a lot of running lanes. But... Uh, Carlos Hyde. At the end of the day, you look at the numbers. You look at what he's putting up. Is it maybe time to give the younger guys a little bit more room here, Jake? Because it's you know what Carlos Hyde is, but maybe it's time to see what Nick Chubb could
1: be. Yeah, I think it, it is. It is just as equivalent to um, you know the, the the quarterback dilemma. You have the same sort of thing going on in a smaller fashion at uh at um. That running back, I think so. I think maybe you pointed this out, Jeff, today on Twitter. But um, you know, I, I'm of the belief that Carlos Hyde is playing fine. He, he's he's playing fine based on what's given to him. He's not gonna he's not gonna create many mistakes uh, by by an interior guy who's got a one on one play with him. He's not gonna make many people miss. He's a, he's a much more aggressive to the whole running back than Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb plays with more patience um, and is a better overall athlete. There's no denying that. And the same with Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson is a better athlete too, a bit more of a, uh, as was coined, a scatback type. He won't he won't necessarily love to hug hug a you know a guard's hip and, and run inside zone so much, but uh, he can on occasion. But I, I certainly understand where people are coming from when they're asking for Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb is uh, in the preseason and now in Week One and Week Two in limited carries has shown some really positive vision situations where he's he's pressed the hole. He had a nice run on an ISO scheme this past Sunday where he pressed the whole uh, cut back, worked to the backside, pressed uh, his, his man had outside leverage. I'm, 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 visioning it in my head, outside leverage to his left, but Lattimore, Marshawn Lattimore had a free lane to come up and play him, but it was an inside out two way go. He pressed inside and then put his foot in the ground and got outside up the left sideline for a nice game. He does those things really well. So I understand it. I don't think they totally trust Nick Chubb yet in terms of pass protection. Some of those things So it's going to come. It's a matter of time for him. He is going to be a really good NFL back. It's going to get there. I think that they should start giving him a minimum of two series a game, at least seven carries, getting him in the feel of things going forward. I still think there's a spot for Carlos Hyde right now to to play. He's going to play. He had that touchdown run. He showed a really nice burst to get to the corner on people that were out flanking him. Um, He's fine. He's good. They'll be okay. He's not going to be a guy that breaks a game wide open. I think Nick Chubb can eventually be a guy who can – who can be patient within a gap and inside zone scheme to to do that eventually? He should get more touches. Duke should obviously. You paid this guy an extension. You've given him eleven target, you know, eleven total touches slash opportunities in two games. Get the ball in his hand somehow. Let him make plays. Um, and 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 you know that's where I'm at. I'm I'm at the point where I'm arguing with people on Twitter about Carlos Hyde who are complaining to me. Like I get it. We want more out of the run game, but there are more factors than Carlos Hyde in the run game. There's factors such as running into heavy run, uh, you know, run defense based boxes, eight in a box, having a nub tied in. When I say nub tied in, I mean somebody who's on a on a side and inline side doesn't have a wide receiver taking the corner out of the play. The corner isn't as a part of the play and nobody's getting to him and he's making a play at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. And, and, And things like that. They're not climbing on inside zone. They didn't do a great job of it. So, you know, I think Nick Chubb is more patient. He can he can he can do some more things. In terms of when things get a little bit congested, he can create some alleys. Um, but but Carlos Hyde's not like being given these open running lanes, and he's, he's he's missing them. It's not it's not that. I don't think that's what's going on. He's taking what's given to them. It's just a matter of when they feel like okay, Nick Chubb is going to give us a quicker um, sort of burst out of his patience from his initial patience to his burst. That's going to be a difference. He should be getting a majority of the carries. Do we trust him in pass pro? Can we leak him out of the backfield in screen game, and he can trust him to make that play? those things when those things come it is a matter of time before he takes over and takes a majority of the carries because you know he, he's just going to be better he's younger he's, he's more fresh that kind of stuff
0: absolutely guys you listen to On browns jake browns here joining us actually we're going over the x's and o's and the film obviously from sunday's lost down in new orleans uh matt williamson guys locked on nfl does a great job monday he's got the local experts on from the On network talking about their teams whatever the biggest games were uh you're going to get mike Runner from PFF. You're going to get Mike Sando from ESPN. You're going to get Sage, Sage Rosenfels. All these guys will show up in the regular spots during the week, breaking down great analysis, giving you a bunch of good stuff to listen to, the Locked On NFL podcast with Matt Williamson. Guys, go ahead, put it in the rotation. Uh, Jake, before you know we go here, I do want to go a little bit on the defensive side of the ball here. And again, it's, uh, you, know, it, it, you know, Larry Ogunjobi shined out. Jabril Peppers with another solid score PFF-wise two weeks in now playing more of the role that he's comfortable in. Wow, what a surprise. And Terrence Mitchell, best cornerback on the field yesterday for the Cleveland Browns. He's been mad
1: active for these th- uh, first three uh, two weeks. Give me some thoughts here on these three guys, Jay. Um, so you cut out a little bit. I heard Terrence Mitchell, I heard Larry and Ogunjobi will do those two. And I think you said Jabril Pepper. So, yes, sir. Um, yeah, so Jabril is, like you said, Jeff, he's comfortable closer to the box. He's able to make more plays from that position. He has a more innate feeling of, of run flow from, um, you know, being able to read guards and tackles than he is playing deep and reading two to one receiver wise. He's, he's just more comfortable doing that. He's continuing to make those box safety plays. You want to see, he can cover a tight end out of the back, you know, out of an inline or wing position too. It, it's all, those are all good signs. Those are things you want to see. He made plays in the backfield. He made plays coming up made a nice stick uh, on a third and one on, on, on Alvin Kamara, who is no, um, you know, small endeavor to do to a guy who's powerful as Alvin. I think he's pretty tough. Um, even though he's sort of a scat back by nature receiver guy, he's very thick in the lower body. So, um, good stuff from Jabril. He's, it's very positive, and he's looking like he's going to play that position for the next five to ten years. Uh, Larry Ogunjobi, three sacks, not officially on the stat sheet. Uh, she'd only had two. The third one was nullified by a, a pretty uh, atrocious, uh, I think it was a legal contact penalty. Uh, the, but but I mean he's he's developed a nice a really nice club writ move that he's just destroying centers on. He made an aggressive play um on on Max. He he really embarrassed. I hate saying embarrassed or destroyed, but he he really is doing a nice job of when he plays a zero or a shade on the center, which the schemes Greg Williams puts him in allows him to do that on occasion. He is displacing centers often. He did it last year. And when I say displacing, it's not moving He's moving them off the ball. I tweeted out a clip today. You will see of him putting Max Unger in Drew Brees' lap 10 yep. yards deep in the backfield. Like he's displacing him like a high schooler practicing against a JV kid. It's it's embarrassing what he did to Max Unger. And, and he's doing it pretty often. He is a dynamic force in the pass game. He is... He is not as big as you would like a run-stuffing D tackle to be, but that's not the type they want. They got but you can and... find
0: that guy. You can't find the D tackle who can bring the pressure like Larry Ogunjobi can,
1: for sure. And that's where I think Trevon Coley comes into play. But what I'm, you know, and that's a great point, Jeff. So they made a shift away from the Jamie Meters and the Danny Sheltons to guys that can get a gap and get a, get up field, And that's what he's doing. Like his impact on those sacks, like all of them came on a third down in a big moment. It's those like are Keobo's felt more. Away. Yeah, those are felt more than maybe not maintaining your gap on a stretch zone first and 10. Like, you sacrifice that for this. You know what I mean? It, it is what it is. And, like, those plays are dynamic, and those plays change games. Those plays were all big in situations that they were, you know, put, them, uh, put in individually, and they impacted New Orleans' outcome. So, uh, excuse me. So, uh, I mean, I don't have enough good things to say about him. He might not grade out as well on PFF due to the fact that he – uh, it's more didn't pass play, rush
0: I, than it is, you know, de tackle, traditional yeah. run stuffing stuff. Absolutely,
1: and I think a lot of what they did, a lot of how they're how they play these things is, um, they're trying to spill a lot of zone schemes to their linebackers. So on tape, it might not look so great, but when you think about how they're scheming to, I mean, they only gave Kamara about sixty some yards, um, but you know, they're they're doing more lateral stuff. Uh, in, in terms of what they're doing with their D line to, 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 to allow linebackers to scrape, to make plays. So I like it. I like what he's doing. He's, he's an impact D tackle. I would venture to say he's top five in the NFL against the pass in terms of generating a rush. I'd have to look into the data on that, but I, I mean, I just, he's a very impactful player. And then the last one is, I think you mentioned Terrence Mitchell. He's surprised everybody winning that job out of camp uh, playing really well within the cover three uh, man scheme that, that, that Greg is putting him in. Uh, some guys have a knack for the ball. He's one of them. He's punched out three forced fumbles now, I believe, um, this season, he had two alone Sunday. Um, so I I don't have enough good things to say about him. Those turnovers are just, they, 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 mean everything to a defense. Browns are off to a hard start in the, you know, in the turnover department, I think they have eight through two games. You can't really ask for more from them in that aspect Mitchell's covering as well as you want your secondary corner to, you know, your second uh, depth chart corner to cover, and he's doing really well with it, um, not giving up anything over the top behind him, and like I said, generating turnovers. They're not necessarily interceptions, but he's generating turnovers through, um, you know, dis- dislodging the football from receivers after they've made a play on the ball. So that's it's it's good to see those. Those are three playmakers at three different levels of your defense.
0: Yeah, and it's and it's good, I mean, because it's not always a miles, Garrett. You need more, and obviously what can be now with D-line where you're starting with these two guys. Jabril Pepper's getting a spot where he is more comfortable. It's going to make the lives of the cornerbacks easier. It's going to make the lives of the linebackers easier. And, uh, you know, Jabril Pepper's in a nickel or dime linebacker. This is something that can work, especially when you get an established D-line like, we're looking like we're getting closer and closer to half for nickel and dime situations where Jabril can just chase and read, which he is really good at. Terrence Mitchell, it, it, it was odd that I wanted to bring him up today, but here's a guy at a second cornerback, and he's finding his way here, and he's playing really well. You know, Denzel Ward, it was a little bit of a... I mean, he was going to fall back from his week one performance. There was no doubt about it. But, guys, we're getting to see some really good things here, and what we're seeing is we're talking about a lot of guys... Who aren't very old, and this is why I'm excited, and Jake's excited, and guys, other guys on the show like Pete Thomas, I mean, like Pete Smith, like uh, Stephen Thomas. This is what we're getting excited about. There is a lot here, um, guys. I want to thank Jake so much for here for joining me this evening. Guy is busy as heck right now. Follow Jake Burns obviously on his Twitter account. Follow his Browns film breakdown. It is blowing up. People cannot get enough of it. Follow the worker over at the OBR. He does a kick-ass job over there as well. Guys, follow the show, Locked On Browns. Always keep it a follow-back account. I appreciate you guys for all that you've done. Any new listeners, guys, please drop a review. You know, Leave a five-star written review, anything. Anything you can do here. I'm working as hard as I can, bringing in guests for you guys, doing everything. Do a little bit to help me out here. Maybe get the show, show a little more progress. Follow me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Guys, I've got a really busy week here. Um, obviously, with my jet ties and being here in New Jersey... I'm bouncing back on shows all over. It would have helped if this was a Sunday game, but I'm going to be crazy busy. So uh, there's lots of shows if you want to catch me here before we kick off on Thursday night. Uh, So it's going to be a fun week. Got a lot of work to do. Until we talk next time, let's go Browns.